Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi healers, it's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free. So hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So it really is such a user-friendly platform. And the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes too. And the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through, while giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to you all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling. And especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. 
BetterHelp makes it so easy to log onto your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com slash the anxiety chicks. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash the anxiety chicks and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. So we're so excited to have our guest here today, and uh, we're going to be talking about something that um, may be a little bit triggering for some people. So I'll just put a trigger warning because there's all different types of trauma, but um, some people's traumas are a little bit more triggering. So we're not going to get so in-depth with specific traumas, but we are going to talk a lot about how anxiety is related to trauma and the connection between the two and just things that you can do to kind of help yourself if you're in recovery. Um, So without further ado, I want to introduce Karen Rockkind. She is a leading happiness expert, media personality, and the creator of Purpose Girl, a movement to empower purpose-driven living. She has taught thousands of people real-life strategies to reclaim their happiness and live their fullest potential of success and well-being. Having survived domestic abuse, divorce, and armed robbery, she teaches others to be resilient through stress and grow from trauma. After 15 years as a marketing executive, Karen pursued her great passion, teaching women to thrive. Karen was one of the first 250 people in the world to earn a master's degree in applied positive psychology from the University of Penn, where she's also served as adjunct faculty. That's amazing. Karen speaks at companies worldwide, including Morgan Stanley, Avon, BMW, and Progressive Insurance. She's a regular contributor to national media and has appeared on NBC, CBS, PBS, NPR, The Huffington Post, and Crane's Business, and served as the happiness guru on Sirius XM Stars Radio. Most recently, she became an international best-selling author for her contribution in Pebbles in the Pond, Wave 3. Karen is a marathon runner, cook, and painter, and lives in Philadelphia with her husband, Joshua, which, which I just found out, which is, look at this resume. It's amazing. It's so awesome. And you're my neighbor. You. And I can't wait I to get together. It's so cool. I can't either. For all of you out there, as soon as I heard that she lived down the street, I'm like, please, can we have coffee or yeah. wine or something? I want friends and you seem cool. So, so crazy <laughs> social media is. I love it though. I love it. And um, I'm, yes. so, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on and talking to oh, us I'm about so this honored. Topic. Yeah, you guys are awesome. You guys are seriously awesome. Like I was binging, listening to some of your episodes, going through your Instagram. And I have, according to my mom, I've suffered from anxiety disorder since I was three. And I don't quite know what a three-year-old is anxious about. But my own theory is it probably has to do with like past life and generational. And Mm -hmm. I'm the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors and all of that. And wow. but just even hearing that from her really helped me to start understanding myself and start really kind of taking care of things in a different way. Wait, 
I, I, that just hit me. What does that mean? Like you said, like your generation, how can that play into your life? Yeah. Like generational trauma. Like how does that, yeah. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. Whoa. That, that was just deep already. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Let's just dive right in. Right. So, you know, so according to different experts and I'm not like an anthropology expert or sociology expert by any means, but from what I understand, we carry the trauma and of course the genes from many generations before us, right? So depending on which expert I've talked to, it could be seven generations or 11. So think about there's no slavery, quote unquote, in the United States anymore, even though there is still too much. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Um, But if someone, it was only 400 years ago. And so if your great grandparents were enslaved um, and if just two generations ago, your grandparents or parents weren't allowed to drink out of the same drinking fountain. Yeah. Then all of that trauma that was stored in their bodies inevitably has an impact and then gets passed on. And so for me, being the grandchild of Holocaust survivors, it's impossible for that to not be passed on to me because how they raised my mother, I'm sure had some sort of trauma basis to it. And then her responses and her reactions go on to me. So that's what generational trauma is. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, and, and it's, been, it's been found and it makes sense, right? Because we are yeah. the product of the generations before us. And so because of what trauma does to the body, right, in terms of giving you, you know, constricting your blood vessels and giving you higher blood pressure and anxiety and all of this, then that is going to get passed on for several generations. And they say it takes seven to 11 generations for it to really dissipate. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So, and it makes sense. I mean, right. No, for sure. Especially. And then, and I think as a woman, I have some gender trauma. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I, the trauma of, you know, the ERA in the United States still has not been passed, which is, you know, the Equal Rights Act. And so, you know, and it wasn't that long ago women weren't allowed to vote and weren't allowed to have the same jobs. And so some of that gets passed to us. And I'm not saying I'm different or, you know, than anyone else, but I think it's important if we can look at all of that, at least from a perspective of self-awareness and going, mm-hmm. okay, wait a minute. It's not all my fault. Yeah. Right. And there's some sort of relief in that validation. Yeah. And so that's going to be a huge part of the healing, right? Of, mm-hmm. of all of this. But yeah. But before we get to the healing, let's talk a little bit <laughs> Just more. Just dive right in. <laughs> because no, I know. Most people are like, well, I want to hear that first. Okay, wait. <laughs> but part of the healing is becoming more aware, right? Yes. Of all of this and mm-hmm. what it means and what it looks like for everybody. So if you had to kind of like describe trauma or or define, I mean, not really, because I feel like trauma looks different for everybody, but how mm-hmm. would you kind of put it in like the context of what trauma is? Like, what would you, how would you describe that? Yeah. So, so I see trauma as, you know, anything that really, it's a, it's an emotional response to a terrible event. Okay. Right. It's an emotional response. And, and that emotional response gets stuck in our body yeah. because our bodies are designed with the fight flight response, the, you know, sympathetic nervous system, our body is designed to respond to threat. It's designed to respond to a terrible event, like a saber tooth tiger running after you. (laughs) And so our body is beautifully, geniusly equipped to handle that kind of situation. 
it also then can get stuck in our body if we don't actually like work it out by talking it through or moving our body or it we, we get re-traumatized. It keeps happening over and over again. Um, and, and some psycho- psychology experts will talk about kind of big T or little T, like that it's a big T trauma if you have been the victim of rape or the big T trauma if you've been the victim of domestic abuse. Well, when I work with clients and what I work with women on and coach women on is really to fully go for their purpose in life and like rock it out. And trauma comes up a lot because what holds us back and stops us from like really going for it is the trauma that is stuck in our body. Like I just held a retreat in Miami. First thing we could do since COVID. Um, And I had 20 women. And what was stopping one woman from really going for her dreams, we discovered in doing this like deep work is that when she was sexually assaulted as a little girl, people close to her didn't believe her. Mm. And so that got stuck in her body now where she doesn't. So of course, then she doesn't want to go and like put herself on social media and like get the TEDx talk or whatever it is, because there's this fear that people, people aren't there for me. They're not going to support me. So anyway, so trauma can get stuck in our body and the big T and the little T, you know, I think all trauma is the same. Um, And it is just as traumatic. Like one of my clients, she's like, well, I wasn't raped. I didn't have any of this. But for her, none of the little girls wanted to eat lunch with her in middle school. That is big time trauma. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so I count that just as much because all of that, or if you had a parent who said to you, you want to be a writer? Writers don't make any money. That gets stuck in our body. And then we really start learning and behaving in ways that keep us in there. Well, and it's it's essentially like very dismissive and invalidating if you're telling mm-hmm. someone that their trauma is not as important as someone else's. Correct. Correct. And I mean, like, it's not useful. Right. You know, it's not, I think it's a defense mechanism to say, well, I wasn't raped, you know, or I didn't have this big thing. We want to kind of try to make ourselves feel better, but it actually, I have found in my work that it's not useful. Hmm. What's more useful is self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Self-awareness, self-compassion. More, it should sound more like, of course I feel this way. That hurt. So of course I have like social anxiety now because the girls didn't want to sit with me at lunch. Or right. of course I'm afraid to go write that book because my mom always said that I would fail. Like, so, so self-compassion gives us that neutralizing kind of factor yeah, to allow us then to move through it. So I have a question for you already. Uh, when you say like, you know, like your parent told you, like, say your parent meant well, like you have really oh. good parents because this happens a lot and they just are very, you know, they were raised a certain way, just like you said, like generational. How, what's a good way for someone to like approach that parent about their trauma? Like say that their parent caused without it being attacking. You know how sometimes you get into conversations like, well, you were like this when I was a kid and it caused this. Cause I've gone through this with my own like uh, treatment. And sometimes my mom has felt as though I'm attacking her parenting. And mm. it's not that I'm attacking her parenting. I'm just like wanting to have that talk about mm-hmm. things that happened, you know, and, uh, I, I already love everything you're going yeah. through, especially I want to get to talk to you about the uh, the Body Keeps Score book because it kind of mm. sounds like all that you're saying with the little T's or whatever that add up. Yeah, they do add up. And something can be, a and, and again, a quote unquote little T, and I see it as all the same. It can have lasting, lasting impact. Yeah. All of it has, all of it can have lasting impact. And, and we're just not taught tools. At least I wasn't. Most of us weren't taught tools when we were 
young, it's like you go to school and there's math and there's English, you know, and but nobody's like, right. How do you actually cope? Right. right. <laughs> like it's so messed up, which is part of why I love my field of positive psychology. It's being proactive in yes. how do we really thrive in life. Um, so, so how do we approach someone? So interesting. So I love, 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 obviously my parent, not obviously, I do love my parents so much, but my dad said to me, you can't be a writer. Writers don't make any money. And when I was 18 and heard that, I cried. I screamed. I was young about it. I was 18 about it, right? Mm -hmm. But as we got older, or as I got older, I actually, I don't know how much you know my whole story, but I got divorced at 26. Like I followed the perfect life. Like I got married, tall, dark, handsome. He was um, a lawyer. We had a big house in the suburbs. We had a golden retriever, like all by the time I was 24. Mm. (laughs) Because I was so full of anxiety that I had to live the perfect life, right? So that was like what I went for. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And then I found myself totally unhappy and feeling like something was empty and missing. And so I got divorced at 26. And that was when I went on the journey to say, well, I did everything that like Cosmopolitan Magazine said I should do to be happy, you know, or Better Homes and Gardens. So why, why am I not happy? And for me, I just kept coming back to like, I'm here for something purpose. And it was this deeper understanding of who I am. Well, as I did my work with therapists and with figuring out my purpose and all of this, which is to empower women, I um, started to have those conversations with my parents. And my dad didn't talk to me when I went through to my divorce because it was like, we don't get divorced. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. I've been together since they were 14, right? My oh, parents my God. were so happy, been together forever. And I started reacting in that way of like, you didn't get me. You said all these things and you told me I couldn't do this and couldn't do that. And then it was falling on deaf ears. And so I actually took a little bit of space or maybe he took space from me, whatever it was. Boundaries. And at some point, right, boundaries. Maybe like six months later, I called him up and I said, do you want to go have a cup of coffee? Like, let's meet at Starbucks. And so we met at Starbucks and I actually gave him space to talk. Hmm. Like, these are my fears. This is it. And as I came in and I said, I hear you and I know you love me so much. And Here's how all of this impacts me. And you may never get it, but here's the relationship I want to have with you. And one of the things he shared with me, he said, you always call your mother. You never call me. And I said, that's totally fair. You know what? I'm going to start calling you dad. You know, so it's like, it was me actually needing to be the adult in the situation um, and open up space and give him space to to talk mm-hmm. that at least for me really shifted that that relationship and it and it's hard. I did it differently many, many, many times before that, but this really made a difference in in our relationship, yeah, because sometimes but, I feel like it's traumatic when you have that like you know people are like, "Oh, I had like a bad childhood and all these things, but sometimes it's even harder too, when you had such a good childhood and your parents wanted the best out of you, and like they tried so hard, but there was little trauma things that you never recognized until you were older and you almost have an issue feeling that about your parents because you were like they were so good to me like right how could right. that be traumatic they provided for me they did all these things so it's like coming to that like conclusion that it's generational like you said it's yeah. how they learned how to parent and it's not their fault because right that's you know how what they learned exactly and one thing that I've done if any of you out there want to do this is I really sat back and took a lot of time to ask myself, how did my parents become who they are? Yeah. And I looked at, you know, my mom being the child of Holocaust survivors, 
okay, so what was that parenting looking like for her? And how did my grandparents get that way? Well, their whole lives were disrupted when they were very young and all this. And then for my dad, my dad is a sensitive artist. He's an architect. His dad was a card-carrying member of the NRA, right? Like he had guns in case somebody was going to come and shoot him down, which I understand because a lot of people were anti-Semitic and he was afraid that people were going to come after the Jews, right? Yeah. So it's like he, my dad didn't have space to be himself. And so it's like that gave me a lot of, but I had to do a lot of healing work and I had to do a lot. something I teach a lot of my clients. We haven't been given the space to let some of our emotion out. So I do a lot of sessions with my clients where we just beat pillows, we scream, oh, yeah. we like shake, we'll take a yeah. Nerf bat into the woods and like just kind of beat up some ground because I think we have to get that stuff out of our bodies because it gets stuck and then we can have the mature conversation that will actually get us somewhere. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, the other thing I do now, like, so when I finally figured out what my purpose was, then I was too like scared to go after it, right? <laughs> I was way too scared. Like leave corporate America. I make good money, health insurance, blah, blah, blah. And so I wasn't following it and I became extremely depressed. And I, after years of being very depressed, taking more and more antidepressant medication, my psychiatrist finally said to me, Karen, you don't need more meds. You have all these dreams that you want to follow and you've never pursued one which is great for a psychiatrist, right? So one by one, I started following different dreams. Like I had always wanted to go abroad when I was in college, but I was dating my boyfriend who became my husband and I was afraid he would break up with me if I went abroad. So I asked my boss for an absence of leave, whatever that's called, you know, and I could just take like a month off and I went to Paris by myself. So it was like, and I ran a marathon and did those kinds of things. And the one thing I hadn't done yet was followed this dream of empowering women because it was like, what is that job? There was no... This is before YouTube and podcasts, right? Right. right? Yeah. Um, but it was like this knowing inside of me that this is what I wanted to do. And then one day I was walking home. I was living in Cleveland, Ohio, and I was walking home from a bad blind date, talking on the phone to my sister, like, blah, he was so horrible, blah, blah. And then I went to put my key in my condominium door. And this young man, someone came up behind me and I could feel hot breath on my neck. And I turn around and suddenly I'm nose to nose with this really young man. And I'm looking at him thinking maybe he's going inside to like visit somebody and he pulled a gun and he's pointing the gun at my stomach and I scream and I fall to the floor and I'm like, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. And I look up and now the gun's pointed at my head. And I thought I had that, like it was that moment I thought I'm going to die. And I realized in that moment, I'm going to die and never have followed this dream of mine. So I made myself a promise. If I live, I'm going to pursue it no matter what. And just then the man took my purse and he ran. And that was when I found, right, it was so scary, right? And like the trauma that's in there and we can talk about all that trauma and what I've done with it. But like the, um, I made myself a promise in that moment and I I was like, all right, what am I going to do? So I decided to go to school and that's when I found positive psychology at Penn and all of this. And when I told my dad I was going to leave my six-figure vice president of marketing job, he said to me, that is the stupidest decision I have ever heard. But by then, this was like 10 years after my divorce, I had really worked through being able to see my parents for the people that they are. What he was really trying to say is, I'm afraid. I'm afraid you're going to end up with no money and living in my basement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and I empathize with that, right? Yeah. It's a survival thing too for our parents, right? Like they, you know, their parents 
were went through like the Great Depression. So you're in survival mode, and when you're just you know the, there's 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 so much in their mind about just wanting to make sure you get your needs met, and if you're you know of what course. I mean, and financially is a huge thing for a lot of right. Also, I feel like also their generation so much of like you go to work, you come home, like this entrepreneur in- internet, yeah, it's such uh, a risk. social media. They're like, what is this? Like, you- yeah, <laughs> then it's yeah, just it's so different, a, to right? Them. So different. And what I ended up doing, I mean, I was like, I'm the youngest, so I was like crying and like, but shaking and saying, I love you, I hear you, and I'm still gonna do this. Right? It was like yeah, a real right. moment of me, like I'm still gonna do this because yeah. I realized the worst thing that happens is. Like, I'll go get another job. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. and I mean, it wasn't any this easy. Like, it was a lot of tears and anxiety. Um, and now he would, t- you know, tell you it was the best decision that I've ever made and that he's so proud of me. And one of the things that I said to him was um, I took some time and I wrote both of my parents a letter as I was graduating from, from grad school. And I realized that my desire to do this in large part came from them. And as scared as he was that I would be on my own, my dad was actually an architect, but he worked for himself. Right, right, yeah. Right? And so it was like, you know, so I think that that's another way to have the conversation too, Taylor, just to answer your question is like, how can you relate to them um, and say, I love you and this is still what I'm doing? That's such a good point. And then get all the support that you need, right? We all need tons of support and we're not going to get it. We might not get it from those people. We need it from other people. Yeah, I think it's important too to remember that you know, the reason that trauma or, you know, anxiety, the factors that go into both of those aren't just because of parenting and caregivers oh, gosh, and yes. being, right? There's so many factors that go into like mental health concerns, society, oh you know, socially, um, you know, oh my gosh. of course, biology, but the environment you're in. So not just familial. So, so you know, Taylor, you talk Thank a you. lot about how you grow up in this family and people might think, okay, well, my parents were definitely loving and, you know, I felt like I didn't have, you know, a big T or whatever. And um, there wasn't anything that I can pinpoint right now that I'm just like, whoa, that's what did it, you know? And usually that's kind of how a lot of people start out is they don't, a lot of them aren't like these big T things. Like some, uh, you know, some of them are, I don't know like statistics, but I do know that there's so many people that struggle with understanding why they are the way they are. And Mm -hmm. the go-to sometimes is like, well, my parents, like what didn't they do? Right. (laughs) Right. You know? And, and when, you know, for me, I have social anxiety. I, one of the things that my brain still tells me is women don't like you, um, which is like ridiculous if you look at like the, you know, I have a Facebook community of 4,000 yeah. women and my podcast has like 315,000 downloads or whatever it is. It's ridiculous. But my brain says that because when I was in fifth grade, my little friends dumped me. And Your that was child. traumatic. Your my inner, inner child, child right? right? Yeah. You know, big yeah. time. Now, one of the things that I... um really love and and teach. So I'll do a lot with clients on inner child work. And I know you guys are really familiar yeah. with that. I also, the, though, then I shifted and do a lot of work in something called post-traumatic growth. Oh, okay. Tell me more about and that. Post-traumatic, right? Post-traumatic growth is a term coined by two researchers. Their names are um, Drs. Tadeshi and Calhoun. And if we think about trauma we all know the PTSD response and we all probably had that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we probably also know people, ourselves included, who have gone through trauma and 
ended up stronger, more resilient, maybe building new relationships or finding their purpose from it, right? Like you can look at um, Candy Leitner, whose daughter died in a drunk driving. She wasn't drinking. She died to a drunk driving accident. A drunk driver hit um, her daughter when she was 13. And she then founded Mothers Against Drunk Driving. That's helped hundreds of thousands wow. of lives. Yeah. So that's another thing that I think we can really do with trauma that at least I have found helps with the anxiety. When we take, well, you already had trigger warning, so I can, I think I can, can I swear? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll post it in the show notes too. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just going to say when we take shit, but I could say when we take poo and we turn it into fertilizer, right? It can really help us take control of the trauma, control of the situation as much as we can, because we can't help bad things happening to us. They just do. Yeah. But when we can have some agency around it and turn it into something beautiful, impactful, purposeful, meaningful, powerful, loving, it creates a whole new paradigm for us. I, I think that's such a great kind of segue into the connection between anxiety and trauma, because mm. in both instances, you know, with my experience and like clients I've worked with, there's this like powerlessness and just feeling so out of control. And, you know, whether you feel like you've experienced a lot more anxiety than trauma or vice versa, I think there is this just lack of feeling in control and Mm -hmm. not knowing where to start with how to change that. And, And it's almost like I talk about healing journey, you know, a lifelong journey of healing. That's kind of, you know, what I believe in that we're all healing mm-hmm. our entire life. Say um, it, sister. Yes. You know, it's um, not going to end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not to say that you're going to be in this constant sympathetic nervous system state your entire life, right? Your fight or flight. Like, that's not what I mean. But we're continuously healing and we don't know what life is going to bring us in five minutes, five hours, or five years. You know, Mm -hmm. we just don't know. So what would you say, I guess, to our listeners who feel like they're kind of at this point where maybe they they can connect some trauma, maybe not, who knows, but that their anxiety, definitely they can see that this is kind of connected to their experience and they're feeling Mm. out of control and like powerless. Mm. What, Mm -mm -mm. yeah, what, Mm -hmm. what kind of advice would you give? Yeah, such a good question. Well, first and foremost, let me be clear, I'm not a medical doctor. Right. So I want to make sure if someone's out there and you need, and I know you guys stand by this and you talk about it and all that, like, you know, definitely. If you're in crisis or yeah, if you feel like, yeah, just call a medical doctor. Yeah. Support a professional for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so the, um, you know, the, the connection to this feeling of being powerless, when something happens to us, we feel like we we had no control. We end up feeling helpless. And what we actually know from the research is that it, it, the theory was called learned helplessness, that when we're children, we actually can, like, we keep bouncing back. I have a one-year-old and he's been learning to walk, mm-hmm. right? And so I, it's fascinating because I'm like watching all of my work oh, in this one-year-old. Yeah. It's like really fascinating. And, you know, he falls down. And then he gets back up and he falls down. He might cry, but it's like he seems to not be deterred from walking for the rest of his life (laughs) because he falls down. And it's like a fascinating case study that I'm watching. Yeah. 
what we know is that if if when we have been kind of beaten over and over and over again, we we learn to be helpless. We learn that and I find a big connection between helpless and hopeless. Mm. When you've lost all hope that something can be different, that's when you really become helpless. Mm. And so a big thing that I really work with people on is what can we hope for? Like where can we regain some sense of agency here and some sense of hope? And I think that the, the process for all this, when you are feeling totally powerless, obviously tons of self-compassion. Big thing I teach is in becoming the, the parent um, or with women, I talk about mothering that little child within and doing like all these beautiful deep exercises to learn how to talk to her and what yes. or little your little boy and what they want and what they need. And in doing so, you're only going to do any of that. You're only going to listen to this podcast if you have a teeny tiny bit of hope, right? You wouldn't even listen to the podcast if you had no hope. You right. would just say, forget it. I'm going to, you know, yeah. whatever, jump off a bridge, God forbid. But it's like, so harnessing, what is that tiny bit of hope that you're holding on to? Like maybe there's a tiny bit of hope out there that something can be different. There's a tiny bit of hope that you could actually nip this. There's a tiny bit of hope that you could feel better, a tiny bit of hope that you could get this. You want to really take that tiny bit of hope and elongate it by saying, okay, let me like take that tiny bit of hope and what would it look like if I could elongate it? Are there any models out there? Yeah. Who could help me do this? Yeah. And when we, and a big thing here, there's a difference between making statements and questions. And if you want different answers, you have to ask different questions. David Cooper Ryder at Case Western said that. And it's such a, I love saying it because if we're like, this is helpless, I'm hopeless, I have no power, there's nothing I can do, you're going to end up like in a ditch every single time. But if you can shift it into questions, and these are questions around hope, well, what is possible? Yes. Why am I listening to that podcast? Like, what am I trying to get out of it? What, what might I be able to do? Who could help me? All those questions now will start moving you forward and give you agency. And it's that agency, that's your own power. And that's what we want to harness, that you have power. And it's a big reason why I teach post-traumatic growth and help my clients turn their poo into fertilizer, um, because it it gives you that, it gives you the power back, right? Like I had, um, I am remarried now and we didn't even start trying to have a baby until I was, we got married when I was 40 and I've had two miscarriages. And the second miscarriage was when I was 43 and I just decided there's no way I'm ever becoming a mom now. I'm 43. Like, it's over, right? And I already had done all those things that you mentioned in the bio. And so I was like, my career, okay, check. But this mother thing is never going to happen. And I became helpless. I became that person. Um, and so anxious and all of it. And so I, you know, I did all the things I mentioned to you. I went into the woods by myself on retreat and I hit the pillows and I took the bat and I screamed and I surrounded myself with lots of friends and leaned into sisterhood and, and inner child and all of it. And it was when I started meditating and I said, what else can I birth? Show me, show me what else I can birth in the world that things shifted because I had an, a vision of women who were also depressed all over the world and who needed these positive psychology tools. And so on the one-year anniversary of that miscarriage, I created something called Women's Global Happiness Day, and I um, coordinated for 99 events to happen all over the world 
of women gathering and learning tools. And so it was like, okay, I took some agency here. And I'm just sharing that Mm -hmm. as an example. And I can give you client examples too, but I think that there's an opportunity. Yeah. To, yeah. To you, you basically took control. Yeah. Of what I could. Of what you could. Right. Right. With, with, within your, you know, experience at the time feeling so out of control, right? Correct. Within your body and all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then that allowed me to say, and what can I control about fertility? And I realized I could do IVF, which I had kind of been vehemently against before. And even then, when I realized that my eggs were not very useful, I could get a, you know, I could get an egg donor and I did. And so my baby boy is a beautiful product of an egg donor that I got to carry. It is. And and it's just like, well, what is possible? What else can I do? What else can I do? Of course. Well, and I love that. I, um, so that reminded me of a author or I, I, I don't know what I'd call her. She's a therapist author, but Dr. Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychologist. Mm. Um, she always, I mean, she's a psychologist, but she, now she's just a writer and she's a healer. She's amazing. And she always talks about making one small promise to yourself every day mm. that can move you forward. Mm. So mm. Just one small, and you know, I mean, something small could be something huge to someone else. So, you know, not, you know, so not that it looks the same for everybody, but just something that you feel like would move you forward every day. Even if, even if it's, even if it's someone who, like, for example, is struggling getting out of bed, right? Or taking a shower. Maybe that one thing is taking a shower for that person every day and making their bed. And actually getting out of their bed or a hundred percent. And I think there are days when that is my big accomplishment. And then there's a day I might be keynoting at Amazon. Like there's no hierarchy and we're all the same and we're all right. So it's like, and, and I think that those of us who do, who have, who do suffer from anxiety, depression, we have our whole lives. Like I'm, I'm I'm massively into self-celebration like massively. I teach all my clients to brag and use that word. I brag, I celebrate because our brain spends so much time telling us what's wrong with us. And there's plenty of people in the world who want to tell us what's wrong with us. Yeah. That if you got out of bed today and you put Cheerios on the table for your family, celebrate the heck out of that. Right. Because we know how hard that is. Yeah. We know, we know here how hard that is. And what's going to happen is the more you start celebrating those those wins, it's going to build you up and you're going to see how much, okay, and now, and now I'm celebrating this and now I got out the door and now I, you know, and all of this, and it's going to really help to start your shift. I love that. So what do you think of the body keeps score book? So I'm not an expert on it by any means. So, um, so I know I know of it. I read it a long time ago. I just want to be honest. <laughs> um, and I totally believe it, right? That the whole the whole premise of the book is that your body, our, our trauma sticks, you know, your issues stay in your tissues, right? That your body, um, all of your trauma, all of your issues get stuck in your body. And if you don't address them, that's when it starts becoming diseases, dis-ease, Right. So we can just look at what happens when you experience a traumatic event, gets stored in your amygdala, which are like these tiny almond shaped things in your brain. And 
the amygdala sits right next to your hippocampus. And the hippocampus, you can remember by the word campus, is where your long-term memory is stored. Mm -hmm. So it's like 9-11. Pretty much everybody I know remembers where they were on 9-11 because your body stored it there so you can remember. And then what happened is your body remembers however it felt in that moment. So the body keeps score. The body is remembering. And we have to actually like what I see over and over again with my clients is, you know, one of my clients just realized, not even just realized, but yeah, um, the reason that actually was from the retreat, the woman who, who was told that it wasn't, people in her life didn't believe her about the sexual assault when she was young. She was crying saying, this is why I've gained so much weight. It's protection, mm-hmm. right? Or if you have bad, wow. if you have bad stomach issues, chances are that there's some sort of trauma response that is sticking in your stomach. And how do we like, again, I'm not a medical doctor, but I find when we start moving these things, or if you have, you know, chronic pain in your neck or you have chronic, I mean, you know, bowel issues, chances are that a lot of trauma got stuck in your body. And it's only until you really process it in some way. You know, I know you guys have talked about and had an expert for EMDR and like all these, there are so many great tools. I'm a massive fan of body movement that you actually have to move it out of your body in order for it to heal. I love that. I agree. Do you do that with your clients? You like move your body and you shake and you, yeah, me too. No, I mean, well, I've been online since COVID. So we will do it together, like online. I get them like, you know, you can still do it, but when you're in person, it's so much better. Um, yeah. But yeah, just just even even like I'm just thinking of with, with sounds too, like with their mm. mouth, like I'll have ah. them like open, yeah, and like say sounds too and like yes. their lips, like, like doing different things like that with their face. Yeah. It helps so much. Yeah. And I'll do this thing like pushing against a wall or the goddess Kali. If anyone knows the goddess Kali, she was a fire goddess. Um, and fire like burns things up. We see in like, right, it can destroy. Um, and fire creates like food, right? And purifies. And so I'll have them do like, and I'll do it myself. These are all things I do. Okay? Yes, <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. The, the Kali breath. Um, for those of you who, I'm going to do it, but you won't be able to know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to describe it. You stick your tongue out all the way. And you make a sound like this. Yeah. And it like is bringing up the stuff that you need to set fire to. And it's amazing. There's such a clear connection in your body, you know, in your chakra system in, to clear out all that stuck there. Um, and, and I do all this online. I mean, even I had an yeah, online business t- before yeah, COVID. You yeah. You know, and like in one of my groups recently, we had been in a very safe space for, you know, probably a couple, couple months. And I said, how many of you have been abused in any way? This is a question I got from Regina Thomas-Shower, you know, sexually, physically, emotionally, mentally, and every single person raised her hand. It was like 25, oh maybe 30. And because I think we all have experienced some form of that, right? And then it was all pent up in us. And we were talking, like, I intentionally brought up trafficking and sex slavery and all the things that are happening to our sisters around the world. And then we all just had a big scream fest and we let it out of our body. Some women had to go to the car to not wake up children, you know, and like, 
grabbing the pillows and punching the pillows or pushing up against the wall. Because again, you feel so powerless to any of these things. Women are, and I, your, your listeners are, you know, men and women um, and um, non-binary. I just find that we, I'll speak for myself and my clients in particular, have been told that it's not okay to emote. And so that gets stuck in your body to your question, Taylor. And if we don't actually let the emotions out, then it comes back and either in the form of beating ourselves up and or beating someone else up. So it's super powerful. Um, so I, I just, when you were doing that breathing exercise, it reminded me of lion's breath in yoga. Mm. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I love that. Um, okay, Taylor, you can go. Yeah, I got to go. Ed- I'm so I'll sorry. Ed- I'll edit this. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bye. It was so nice, nice to meet you, Taylor. Let me just write this down this time. Okay. Um, yeah. So when you were talking about that, it reminded me of the lion's breath in yoga mm-hmm. and sticking your tongue out and like, like it's like a huge kind of sigh. And that's literally one of my favorite parts when I'm, when I go to like a yoga class is to let out that huge, mm-hmm. just sigh. And they, you know, I mean, yoga is so powerful for me because it really connects my breathing with movement. And I think that's, mm-hmm why I always encourage it for so many people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, especially people that struggle with anxiety. But yeah, I had a massive shift when I started doing yoga. Really? Massive. In a, in a good way. In a good way. In a good okay. way. In a good okay. way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because, you know, I, this is before I started doing some of the other body practices. Like now I dance out a lot. Like I said, I shake out a lot, but I needed some way to release the anxiety, right? And I didn't even know all of what I was dealing with the first time I did yoga. And I used to be somebody that was like, I can't meditate. I don't want to do yoga, you know, and because my brain would never shut up. And friends of mine were like, yeah, that's why you actually have to do it. And and I just find when I do yoga and I move my body, first of all, my anxiety means that I, I'm, I fidget my fingers a lot. I fidget mm-hmm. my hands a lot. And so if I'm in a movement, if I'm doing movement like a yoga class, right, it lets me kind of move all that out. And it's so, it gets me into the the flight response. That's what your body is, or fight response. Your body is wanting to move when you're experiencing anxiety. Right. Because yes. it's danger, right? There's danger and your body is designed to run from a saber-toothed tiger. So mm-hmm. I found that to be huge. And I also find if I move my body a little bit, it helps me to meditate, then get into silence. Yes. Yeah. Right, which I think was the whole, I'm not a yoga expert, but I think that was the whole idea of yoga was to do poses before you sit and meditate because it helps your brain. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, yes, yoga is so much more of a meditative type of practice, but in the US they've just created it to be like a workout. So oh, that's why they've right. created hot yoga, which essentially defeats the purpose of yoga. It's literally mm-hmm. supposed to be this meditative type of practice that connects breath and doing a lot of breath work. And so yeah, why it's so powerful is there's, um, you know, you're in the sympathetic state of your nervous system and your fight or flight state and all of the postures and the movements and the breath work is what actually activates the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so 
while, you, you know, if someone's at like a level 10 in panic and they're at the ER, obviously it's going to be 10 times harder for them to just be like, let's do a yoga pose. But, right. Let me get you know, into warrior one. Right. Yeah. Like that's not going to happen. But I always talk about, you know, having this rating scale from one to 10, right? One being the most calm you've ever felt wherever you were. And then 10 being, you know, you're in the ER, you're having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. If you're able to kind of recognize certain tips and tools when you're getting to like a three, four, five, and you start becoming more aware of your body signals and what's going on in your brain, right? Like the intrusive thoughts that continue to become louder and louder. And you can start implementing those healing tools at like four or five in the rating scale. It's going to be so much easier for you to get back to a two or one. Mm -hmm. But if you just, you know, or Big time. someone that, you know, hasn't done a lot of this type of work and you're probably having panic attacks. If you have panic attacks and you're going from a one to a nine, it feels like that, right? You need to start really working with someone to kind of help you recognize those body signals. And that's why, you know, EMDR and certain therapies and coaching is so helpful because sometimes you just need that, you need that extra person, extra support that knows how to kind of give you that support, right? And those tips and to keep you grounded and give you that those suggestions to help ground. Like I'm a huge, so I do, I um, am an expert in CBT. So I love doing a lot of the like action oriented type of, you know, tools. I feel like for myself and for everybody I've worked with, that's a huge piece of it is to stay action oriented. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and working with rewiring the brain and thinking patterns and all of that, right? hundred percent. Um, yes. So, which is, you know, all connected to if you've experienced trauma, right? You you need to kind of rewire a lot of that. So that's just it, is that your brain really gets stuck. I use the 9-11 example because your brain gets stuck thinking airplane danger, right? Or Mm. big gathering Mm -hmm. danger or whatever the thing might be, which is understandable and reasonable because we have an example. We've got a massive example of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's... So we need those tools to rewire the brain and remind ourselves that we're safe, yeah. you know, and, and I'll do practices that are like as simple as just putting my hand on my heart or hugging myself. Yes. And just yes. saying, I'm safe. Yes. Oh my I'm gosh. Safe. So much. Right? So it can much. be that simple. I will yeah. also do, I, I, um, when I was having the miscarriages, I went to a baby whisperer <laughs> to talk to my baby soul. That's great. And, That's so um, nice. A friend of mine heard it on a podcast. Why like, well, not? It can't hurt. I was you just going to say, right. exactly. It can't hurt. And she told me that my baby's soul was, you know, I did have a baby coming and was very, um, the baby was very sensitive and my anxiety was freaking the baby out hmm. and my ungroundedness. And I traveled a lot, like I said, for work. I would fly to, you know, different places to speak and whatnot. And, and I just was... I suffer from anxiety, right? And have, and a lot of PTSD. Like I've done a lot of post-traumatic growth, which I call P, which we call PTG in my field, but a lot of PTSD around a lot of things that have gun robbery and things like that. Um, and so I I learned from her to drop a grounding cord wherever I am. Mm. And literally just imagining that there's a cord coming from my root going deep into the earth. And I still do it. I'll be laying in bed, wake up, anxiety will hit me for whatever reason, and I'll imagine that cord going down and then just somehow say to myself, I'm safe. Mm. I'm safe. So it's like there can be big tools like going out and, you know, 
screaming in a forest or Central Park, which I've done. Um, And there can be like the smaller tools and like practicing all of them. You know, one of the things I find a lot, I'd be curious if you do too. One of the things that's anxiety producing is the fear that I can't be myself. Yeah. And that there's some ways of living whether that is sexual orientation, that's being in your own body, gender, or otherwise, you know, just safety because of prior abuse, trauma, mm-hmm. there could just be like, you're a really, you know, sexual person and people told you that that was being slutty or whatever it could be. And that that gets stuck in our body, yeah. gets stuck in our brain, gets stuck in our body. And then we feel like we can't be ourselves. And so one of the things I do a lot of work on is like this unleashing <laughs> of all that's been put on us about who we're allowed to be and who we're not and shifting trauma of somebody calling you a name or telling you that you can't do these things into the power of owning that, yes, you can. Right. And that it's safe now to be who you are. Right. Right. Exactly. Yes. I love that. Oh my gosh. I love this. I feel like we could talk for so long. Um, I know. And that's why we're going to have coffee. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I think you need to come back on, honestly, talk about all different types of of topics because um, you have such great information and tools. And thank you. Yeah. And I I feel, you know, we are very aligned with a lot of what I can think. And I think that Taylor and all of our listeners, they, they have this alignment with, you know, the practices that... Um, I teach and that the healing, like I call my community heal- healers. So I know, like the I love healing it. You start community. Podcast. Healers, I know. Yeah. And I love, I love, I love it, it because I'm like, oh, I'm healing. We're all <laughs> healing. Yes, we all are. And, um, and I just, you know, and I, I feel like this is going to be a great episode and people are really going to um, really resonate with you. So, so tell everyone where they can find you. If they want to learn more. All right. A couple places. So purposegirl.com is the easiest and it has all the things. Okay. But you also could go to the Purpose Girl podcast, uh, which is like me talking about all these tools all the time. And if you're female identified, you could join my Facebook group, which is the Purpose Girls Facebook group. We're 4,000 women strong and we're, it's all women empowering, cheering other women on, holding other women. Um, Because to me, that's the biggest tool I have is sisterhood. Biggest. Right. Community is everything. Totally. Shame likes to hide in dark corners. So yes. we got to bring that stuff out. So those are are the best ways. Okay. And I don't know, when is this coming out? Yeah. Uh, Wednesday. Oh yeah. my gosh, you guys are fast. <laughs> we do. We, we try and record every week, but sometimes we do recordings earlier. But yeah, usually it's it's each week. Yeah. And you edit yourself? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Anchor. Really impressed with you. Anchor, everybody, if you're thinking of starting a podcast, Anchor. I heard that on your other podcasts. Yes. I'm, I, I, yeah. They are honestly amazing. It's so user-friendly. It's unbelievable. It's like, I mean, they do sponsor us, but well, kind of. But um, but no, it is so user-friendly and yeah, it's it's crazy. But I love it. I'm so amazed. I, I, I can it. tell. I I'm love like, it. And I, the fact that you can do it yourself is so, I mean, I'm sure I could do it myself. I just chose not to. Yeah, yeah. Let my yeah. husband do it. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, I was just going to say, good. whenever this comes out. So the best way is, I don't know what, which of this part you're keeping and, and cutting out, but <laughs> the best way is go to purposegirls.com. Okay. Uh, join my newsletter there. You will get the, when you go to, edit this to make it sound normal. When you go to purposegirl.com, <laughs> you can get the Living on Purpose Guide totally free. And it's, you know, 
many pages of workbook on what your purpose is, how to figure it out, who you are. We didn't even get into purpose today, but to me, it's like a big shift of anxiety. Yeah. And soon I'm going to have a program called Goddess Unleashed. Awesome. That is really stepping into letting go of the good girl, all of that, so that you can fully be yourself. Well, I'm so happy we got to have you on. Thank you so much for everything. And everyone, please go find Karen. She's amazing. All right. We'll see you guys soon. We'll see you guys next week. Happy healing. Hi, healers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Anxiety Chicks with Taylor and I. As always, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Allison Sepinera, as the Anxiety Healer and Taylor as health underscore anxiety. And as always, you can check out the Anxiety Healing School. I just dropped a new course called When Panic Attacks, Triggers That Create Fear and How to Overcome Them, all about overcoming your anxious triggers and finding more awareness on what contributes to your anxious thoughts and giving you all the tools on how to overcome them. Uh, It's a self-paced course, and if there's any struggle with finances, there's a payment plan available as well, so go to theanxietyhealingschool.com to check that out, and as always, go to peakofpanic.com to check out updates about Taylor's blog and her journal she's coming out with. Thanks, everyone. Happy healing. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.